You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. And I'm Susie Hunt. And you're the reason we're here today, Susie. Why don't you tell the fine folks what we're doing? Many, many years ago, my mom looked through the whole cabbage patch and decided <laughs> that I was the one she wanted to take home. <laughs> so the stork delivered me nine months later on August 12th. It's really bad shipping. You know, <laughs> yeah. Is it me or is she sound like Charlie Brown there reading right now? A little bit, yeah. A little Charlie Brown-esque. Continue. Oh, yeah. like, oh, like in, it's, oh yeah, like the Christmas story. <laughs> and low on a manger. I don't sound stuffy like Linus does, though. <clears throat> so yes, it is my birthday. It is another trip around the sun. So I picked, and you guys have to know by now what franchise I would pick from, but I don't know if anyone would guess what movie from that franchise. I can't believe there's a sequel to Burial Ground. I know, really. More titty jerky. Yeah, that one's for you, Matt LeMay. I picked what is possibly the last really good entry in the original Hellraiser franchise, Hellraiser Debtor. Debtor? (laughs) Kidding. Hellraiser Bloodline. Did you see that small panic attack I had? Because I'm like, I'm not watching that. Is that the one with Lance Hendrickson? I get them all confused. No, that's uh, Hellworld. Hellworld. Yeah. That's, that would have actually been my second pick, because I kind of like that idea. I do like idea. Uh Debtor is the one, the only thing I remember is the Cenobite that it looks like they just got really lazy, and he's got like a fence post through his face. Yes. And I'm yes. like, okay, that's weird. But after after part four, I feel it really got kind of hit or miss, more miss than hit, yeah. as we heard with you know Good Value Pinhead. Yeah. But this is... Um, this is probably my favorite movie, because I consider one and two to really be yeah. one, story one story arc. Um, but this, I, w- I would think, is the one that I watched the most when I was younger, when it first came out, because mm-hmm. it, I felt it was easily, unless I'm misremembering, I feel it was easily accessible. Yeah. It was on all the time, like, always could find it at Blockbuster on a Friday night, and mm-hmm. I really like the backstory of how everything came to be. And, um, boy, oh, boy, did the special effects not really stand up. (laughs) Oh, come on, that 96 CGI? (laughs) Those are some rough VFX. Yes, it is. But you know what? It has a special place in my heart, and I love you, Doug Bradley. Yeah, no, it was, uh, this was very much a financial and critical failure. But I remember at the time that it came out, everyone that I talked to that saw it agreed that it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. I really like this flick a lot. Um, I know something Maurice is going to enjoy or, or did enjoy is the fact that it's nice and short. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's like a very special episode of Hell... Of, I almost said Hellboy. Of Hellraiser. <laughs> right. Especially when you forgot to watch the movie for the week and it's getting late at night and it's like, I don't want to watch a two-hour movie. Yep. And you only have to watch an 84 or 85-minute yeah, yeah. movie. 
Actually, yeah, let, let, let me throw in there that, yes, this is Hellraiser Bloodline. It was 1996. Uh, it's an hour and 25 minutes. Directed by Kevin Yeager, although he did have his name taken off the project after heavy, heavy, heavy edits to the story and uh, the runtime of the movie. Um, so he went by Alan Smithy. But it is it is Kevin Yeager. Uh, it was a special effects guy. He The only other things he directed were Tales from the Crypt, Lower Birth, and Strung Along, which are really two great Tales from the Crypt episodes. But he did effects work for Friday the 13th Part 4, The Final Chapter, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 through 4, and Freddy's Nightmares, all three of the Bill and Ted's uh, movies, so Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, and Faith in Music, Cherry 2000, The Hidden, Face Off, like, there's a ton of 90s action movies he did effects for. Like, the guy is all over the board. He's he's the one responsible for giving Freddy those amber eyes and, mm-hmm. like, the witchy nose and cheekbones. That was all Kevin Yeager. Um... But yeah, it's uh, it's it's got a pretty big cast, but I only grabbed like the main players here. So we have Philip, John, and Paul, played by Bruce Ramsey. Uh, he was in Pin, The Hitchhiker, Island of the Dead, Supernatural, and Alive. And boy, did he have some weird looking hair in the nineties. <laughs> and in, we'll get to it. But... He had that. I'm trying to have the Leonardo DiCaprio hair in the nineties. It was not good. <laughs> We have uh, Angelique, played by Valentina Vargas. Uh, she was in Strictly Personal, The Name of the Rose, The Big Blue, Dirty Games, and Bloody Mallory. Now, the whole time we hear her talking in the movie, it's not her talking. They had someone dubbing her voice. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, it's not the actress actually <clears throat> talking. Uh, then we have Pinhead, played by Doug Bradley. Of course, the other <laughs> Hellraiser films, one through eight. Um, not the shitty Great Value one that we talked about. Um, and the... Somewhat okay, Part 10. Like, I didn't hate Part 10. Um, he was also in Nightbreed, Proteus, Killer Tongue, Pumpkinhead, Ashes to Ashes, The Cottage, Book of Blood, and Wrong Turn 5 Bloodlines. Then we have Jacques, played by Adam Scott. Uh, Party of 5, ER, Knocked Up, Piranha 3D, Children's Hospital, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Parks and Rec, Krampus, Little Evil, and Severance. This is the first thing I've ever seen of Adam Scott's. So yeah, when... you need to watch Severance. That's on Apple. You've seen, TV, you've right? seen Krampus. No, no, no. Krampus came out after. Oh, you mean at, because first I time also you saw him. yes, the first gotcha. time I saw him, like his first. Oh, movie right. Was okay. in. This I thought you meant first was movie. this. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but I know it because I watched Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and knowing him from Parks and Rec, I'm just like, damn. Yeah. He doesn't have sex like that. <laughs> but yeah, no. This was his first film. He was only in TV before this. Yeah. And so. Uh, and he had better hair. <laughs> Then we have Bobby, played by Kim Myers. Uh, she was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, L.A. Law, Key West, Six Feet Under, and The Pretender. It was halfway through the movie, I was like, where the fuck have I seen her at? Oh, I was like, see, oh yeah. I knew right away because I had such a huge crush on her and <clears throat> Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. I was like, she's party. Um, so yeah, as soon as I saw her as you know, 16-year-old, I was like, hey, <laughs> it's that lady again. Uh, then we have Jack, played by Cortland Mead. He was in the Little, Ra- Little Rascals, the TV movie version of The Shining, um, Go and The Haunting. And then Rimmer, played by Christine Harnos. She was in Days and Confused, Judgment Night, and ER. So we already kind of talked a little bit about what we feel, but uh, Maurice, we didn't really hear your thoughts on this. So what, what, do you, what do you feel on this movie? I think the Great Value version is better. Oh, you lying son bitch. I think... You couldn't even say that with a straight face. I don't need a straight face. The Great Value <laughs> Hellraiser is better than this movie. <laughs> Bullshit. You know what? Barrel Ground's better than this movie. 
Well, see, I like burial grounds. No, so. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's 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 okay. It's like Susie says. It starts to go downhill after this one, but <clears throat> I'm not saying it starts to go downhill here. But you kind of see the writing on the wall starting with this one. It's a it's a good movie. I like it. I mm. just it's not one of my favorites of the franchise, but yeah, I, I'm 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 your basic bitch. <laughs> I, like, I like I like one, two, and three, and the rest uh, I can take or leave. So, see, I'm uh, one through four. I really mm-hmm. enjoy, and then I still really like part eight, except for like the last two minutes of the movie. I think are god awful. <laughs> the whole CGI murder of Lance Henderson. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I ever got up to eight. But it's, I mean, Hellworld is a fun idea. It just has no budget. Yeah. Um, and there part- was some like now big actor in that one too, and his name escapes me. Not. Like, someone younger. I don't remember. <coughs> um, I'm going to consult the bones. I do know part 10 was, it was a good, like, a good idea, but I don't feel like I have to come back to it. So the only ones in the franchise I really return to are these first four and then part eight. Mm-hmm. Um, very occasionally, I'll watch Inferno. Because yeah. I don't hate Inferno. I think it's a fun story, but I just think it's a piss poor Hellraiser movie. <laughs> you Is know? that the one where Kirstie comes back? That's Hellseeker part Hellseeker, six. Hellseeker, okay. Yeah, Inferno <clears throat> is the one with the detective, and he's, like, trapped in his own personal hell. Like, yes. that whole thing. Where it's, like, the mystery of why is this happening to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like it as, like, a con- like the concept of the film, I love. Like, this idea of a detective kind of solving why he's in hell. Um, but it being a Hellraiser movie, not so much. I've answered the question. Who's that? It's Superman was in Hellworld. Henry Cavill. No shit. He was Mike. Hmm. Huh. Well, you only gotta start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people cut their teeth in, in bad horror, so... Yeah. Uh, Renee Zellweger. Um, yeah. I mean, shit. Kevin Bacon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Like, there's Jamie a bunch Lee of, Curtis. Yeah. I mean, some of them stay with it and keep coming back, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I think we're all pretty much in agreement that this is a really solid Hellraiser film. Uh, so for anyone that hasn't seen this, the, the basic plotline follows the bloodline of the creator of the Lamette configuration. So it's, uh, what was his name? Uh, Philip Lamarchand. Mm-hmm. So, so he was the uh, original toy maker who designs the box based on the specifications of this occultist guy. Um, and hell ensues. <laughs> Hence the title. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I love it. We, we open up in space. <laughs> I know. 1796, 1996, and then you got 2127. 2127. Oh, yep. It's like, oh, that's not, that's an idea. <laughs> well, we see a ship approaching, so he has limited time to work. He Dun-dun-dun. looks... In some of the scenes, he looks like his head is cleanly shaven. And then some, there's a lot of stubble. Yeah, a lot of stubble. <laughs> and this is all... Like, the story is supposed to take place over a short period when he's telling her the story. Right. So and, he starts and, and, out looking like Tilda Swinton and Doctor Strange. <laughs> and ends up looking like Vin Diesel at the end of a couple of... Uh, Fast and Furious. Them movies. <laughs> them Those movies about family. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you just family. <laughs> I love those memes. Oh, man. <laughs> but, so he puts on a pair of VR gloves and, and it's kind of controlling the movements of the robot. And I love this. The robot, in bad CG, 
opens the box and then just goes murp, murp, and, and then explodes. explodes. <laughs> I, I, I really hope, I'm really hoping technology is better than that in 2127. I, I would hope so, but considering the ways we thought technology was going to go and how it has gone, I think it's going to be worse. I really do. Because here's the thing. Did any of us think we'd be living in a future where humans have to work and robots get to create art? No. Exactly. <laughs> you also have you have a robot compost bin that talks to you. True. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but it, It's not the same future we thought. We're not going to be in space and flying We're not cars. even fucking flying cars yet. Exactly. Well, okay. We can't have flying cars because they have to put shit like on fast food wrappers. This is not food. Do not eat. Hmm. Like, that's why we can't have flying cars. Oh, the silica gel packets and everything. (laughs) Do not consume. (laughs) So, basically, he unleashes Pinhead and the crew. And um, before he can continue on with whatever it is he's doing, we hear him mumbling, Long wait, demon, for such a short game. Now curiosity is satisfied and it's time for revenge. Pinhead laughs, and then soldiers appear with guns to Merchant's head. <laughs> like, tag, you're it. So, uh, yeah, we find out that Merchant designed this entire space station, and mm-hmm. then he got rid of the crew, he sent them all home, and took it over. And so the military came in to be like, why are you stealing our shit? <laughs> but uh, he rerouted all the power to his personal quarters, and they can't figure out why. So they're trying to force him off the space station. Um, so they, uh, they interrogate him, or they have Rimmer interrogate him, and he tells us the story, so we get the mm-hmm. flashback to, to the long, long ago, in the before times. In the French times. <laughs> and we see, uh, Le Marchand making the lament configuration. And what is his wife's name? Genevieve? Yeah, Genevieve. She's like, oh, wee oui, wee, oui. now we will have money. Well, she goes, is it, it baby? Is it wonderful? And then she's like, what does it do? And he shows her the box. She goes, oh, it doesn't do shit. <laughs> like, she's just so dismissive. And he's like getting his jacket on because it's, you ever notice it's always cold in the long, long ago? Yeah, Like, it could, be, it could be like the middle of fucking summer before global warming. <laughs> and people are like, oh, I must wear my jacket. And it's like made of like, Three cows worth of leather. Yes. <laughs> Just this thick poncho of a jacket. With a buffalo lining. Exactly. So he's like, I'm going somewhere where my work will be appreciated. And he runs off. I must give it to the crazy Frenchman. What was his name? I didn't write it down. Oh, like, let me look. Oh, De La Seal or something We are going like to that. speak in a French accent. Oh. Hey, his name was... Duke De La Seal? Or... Yeah, Duke De La Seal. That Something means like that. Duke of the Black Magic. <laughs> Duke of the Black Magic. And I just sounded like I'm down in the bayou. You were like, ho, ho, ho. What am I going to do with all my scramps? <laughs> Boil them. <laughs> Fry them. Stick them in a stew. Uh, so then we go to the mansion. Mm-hmm. And we meet Angelique, who just... And you know what? Now, I did not know that they dubbed her voice yeah. for this movie. So now it makes sense why she always looks so fucking stupid when she speaks. Yeah. Because, like, her voice doesn't match her face. Like, I've always mm-hmm. liked the character. Yep. But I there's always just been something off about... I want to hear her real voice. Well, I want to hear if it's like, hey, guys! I was going to say, the reason why they dubbed it is it sounds like me. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm picturing, like, the... The doubles in Spaceballs. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just picturing Angelique walking and be like, hey, you always that bad? <laughs> You're sometimes a little naughty. Would, <laughs> you like, like would you like to go to the Moulin Rouge? <laughs> 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 oh, 
But she's like a prostitute. Yep. And they lure her in with promises of grapes. Yeah, yeah they have a whole spread. There's like a roast pig and all yeah. sorts of... And she's just like, nom, 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 I mean, I'm one over already. I mean... Yeah, I know, right? You put a roast pig and grapes in front of me, I'm there. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll prostitute my body for less than that. <laughs> Maurice is like, pig roast? <laughs> I'll do what I gotta do. <laughs> you want some of this pork for me to get that pork? Okay, I'm down. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So, uh, they do the whole thing where she's gobbling grapes and then she goes to take the knife out of the pig. And he's like, careful, I wouldn't want you to slice your little finger. And she's <laughs> like, oh. She's like, oh, such a sweet man. <laughs> Are you always so sweet? <laughs> and he's like, nope. <laughs> and then he pulls scarves from behind her ear. And she's like, ooh, magic. <laughs> and then Jacques just ties her up with the scarves and chokes her out. Yeah. Be careful, Jacques. Do not apply too much pressure. Steady, even pressure, Jacques. We do not want to hurt or bruise. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, somehow she's like, the food is all rotten. Yes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, that creeped me out when she looked before they choke her. She looks at the table and there's like maggots all over the food. Mm-hmm. And then she starts like freaking out. They choke her out. And they push the table aside, and you see a pentagram under the table, yeah, like, carved so into the floor. It is the magic of black, black magic. <laughs> it is that devil magic. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, just her skin is hanging up. Like they very neatly skinned her. Yeah, they. Well, you see them them start to flare. Yeah, and like that that happens twice in this film, where it's like whoever I was probably Kevin Yeager, but whoever came up with the look of how to peel the skin back like that, it's fucking effective, because it's really gnarly. Because now I'm also thinking of martyrs. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like, he. we see him slicing along her, her uh, arm and peeling it back, and then we see, like, the hands and, like, little bits. We see, like, exposed muscle, like a montage shot. And then we see her empty skin being hung by hooks. And they summon a demon to fill the skin. Mm-hmm. Which... The princess. Ooh. Yes, Princess Angelique. And let me tell you, it was the pig was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they mention a very important rule here, that a summoned demon is under your command unless you stand in hell's way. So dun, dun, dun. someone's going to stand in hell's way. So basically, who summon, who, whoever summons the magic commands the magic. Um, so the whole time that this is happening, like we, we forgot to mention, Philip shows up, gives him the box, they pay him, oh, and yeah. then he's peeking in the windows like, what y'all doing in there? <laughs> He's like, I want to see, I want to see what the rich people are doing. They will summon, summon the demons. But did you notice he stayed for the whole thing? Yeah. Like, he didn't run off the moment he saw them murder her. Murder her. He's like, what, what were they up to? Was it Okay. You probably got, the, got a little chub. He's like, you got the knives now. Okay, what you doing? What you doing with that? Like, he didn't take off until, at, until Angelique was, you know, a demon wearing a human suit. Because he was probably thinking like, how could I do this and make a real doll? <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. Angelique is the first real doll. Oh, so you're saying all the real dolls are demons? I'm I'm really just saying that y'all are smart. <laughs> but so we cut to Philip trying to explain to his doctor friend or coroner friend or some random dude with access to human bodies. <laughs> so he's trying to explain what he saw. And the whole time his friend is just like, cutting open this body, like, skinning its arm, mm-hmm. cuts its chest open, throws, like, a rib spreader in there, like... He's chewing tobacco. It's just fucking gross. But I love his his response, because he's basically telling Philip 
that we live in an age of reason, that there's no such thing as heaven and hell. And he's like, I saw it. He's like, I, you know, I saw them use my machine to summon demons. And he's like, all right, well, if you designed a machine that summons demons, I want to kill them. Dummy. <laughs> I love his matter-of-fact yep. reaction. So we cut to Lamarchand design, trying to design such a machine. He comes up with the concept, but he needs the puzzle box, so he has to steal back the box. Uh, so we cut to him breaking into the house again, because why not? Um, and we see that the old occultist man, what did we say his name was? Becca. Duke Duke de What is his name? Duke De La Seal, I think? Yes. De La Seal. Uh, we Duke see, to 31. <laughs> Duke to he gonna die. So, yeah, so we, he finds the old occultist. With like, we'll just call him that. Yeah, the old occultist. Duke to die. He's, he's got, like, barbed wire in his mouth. He's all fucked up. And he's like... Well, he ain't moving yet. He's Oh, that's there. right, that's right. And we see the box covered in maggots and caterpillars for some reason. And Angelique is fucking Jacques in the bedroom. So he goes over to steal the, the puzzle box, and then that's when the old occultist wakes up, and he's like, blah, 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 does that thing where he grabs him. And then, of course, he falls back dead, and Angelique comes out, and she's like, toy maker, such pliant fingers, I want you to play with me. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, Jacques comes up, bashes him in the head, down goes uh, Le Marchand, and um, basically explains the plot of the movie. He's like, you know, because of you, because of your creation, demons will walk the earth. Imagine that your entire bloodline is cursed just because of this one creation. And all of a sudden now, his wife wants to see what's going on, so she <laughs> follows him. And <laughs> she breaks into the house. What a dumb fucking bitch. I'm surprised that bloodline didn't die out right at the next generation. <laughs> how, so are these, how are they continuing on? Oh. But I love it because he, he comes, she goes sneaking through the house and he pops out. He's like... <laughs> she's like, oh no, we gotta get you out of here. And he's like, save yourself and the boy. Run, 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 run. Then he's like, Bleh. and so he's dead. Le- I am le dead. <laughs> I am le dead. <laughs> so we go back to the future where Dr. Merchant explains that Jacques was right about the demons, that they did walk the earth, and he explains that many boxes were made from the Marchand's designs. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Angelique wanted a box that would open the gateway forever. So he goes on to explain how his family didn't believe in the curse and treated it like a fairy tale, but all throughout the bloodline there were merchants and dreams of gateways to, to gateways to hell and of puzzle boxes. And then so, fast forward again, or I'm sorry, rewind. Yep. <laughs> and we have John Merchant mm-hmm. talking at a thing because he's an architect. Well, before that, we have the naughty dream with Angelique. Oh, that's right. Where she remembers, she's like, your blood remembers. And then she holds up his heart and he gets all hot and bothered. Yeah. He only remembers because it was the same character playing all three of them. Exactly. He remembers the last scene. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. It wasn't that long ago. But then he wakes up screaming and his wife is like, oh, my God, again. And then we hear the kid screaming and he's like, oh, damn it, I woke up the boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so we find out that he's an architect and he's suffering from, he's been suffering from these types of dreams his whole life. Um, we also find out that uh, he's so, a very famous architect. So he's been yes. suffering from sex dreams his whole life? From sex dreams that result in his heart being ripped out by a monster. Mm-hmm. Somehow that's his, that's his kink now. Oh, okay. <laughs> he should really talk to his wife about that because you just never know. He, yeah, he she might, might be willing to do it. He might want to talk to her shrink about that. <laughs> it might be mommy issues. 
Bella is very determined to interrupt the episode today. She was just like, I'm going to keep on jumping on the table. She wants to give me my birthday scratch and bite. Exactly. Cat interruptions. But, so, yeah. um, So, Angelique sees him on the cover of uh, Architect Magazine. And now, we get Jacques. Nighty Jacques. Looking like the good value version of Tom Cruise from Interview with the Vampire. Tell me he didn't look like a Millie Vanilli fan. He really did. He had the white shoulder pad suit on. And do you know what I thought? How awful must it be to be a raging alcoholic like that for hundreds of years? Yeah. Yeah, because he was just getting blitzed. 200 years they they were together. Yep. And uh, she tells him that she's she's bored and wants to go to America. And he's like... Fuck America. I need <laughs> another drink. <laughs> exactly. He was like, fuck America. And she's like, well, then I ask your permission to go alone. And he's like, no. And she goes, don't you want to know why I want to go? He goes, no. <laughs> he's like, your place is here. You go do what I want. Me, 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 me. And then she tells him that he forgot the number one rule and he stood in hell's way. So she takes off her skin suit and just starts tearing his shit up. Yep. I like when she cuts the hole in his face and then he's just like poking it with her nail. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, ow, it hurts. Because at first he's like, ooh, a new game? Like, what kind of shit were they into all the... I mean, after 200 years, you really got to get creative. And she did say, you like it rough, so... Yeah. You know. But yeah, she, uh... She scratches him up and then fucking rips his heart out. And so bye-bye Jacques, he's dead. Now we cut to New York City where we see the building that John Merchant designed and it looks like one big puzzle box inside. And this is, yeah, this is where he's receiving uh, the award for the building given the speech that you were talking about. Yeah. And um, She sees her. Yeah, she shows up in the background and he's like, I got a boner. Yep. That's pretty much what it is. And in 1996, men still wore those pleated pants. Like... (laughs) Like so successful businessmen then. Yep. Someone saw John's ham then. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. It was they like... saw his La Marchand. <laughs> they saw his puzzle box. Yeah. Um, so, the thing that got me, though, is he literally had that reaction of all the blood has left my brain. Yeah. Because he's in mid-conversation. And then just stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude, What? So, you know, he hurries off stage, and then we see him and his family leaving. Like, the wife is all pissed off. Like, I saw you got a Woody for somebody. And then you went to the bathroom. (laughs) What were you doing in there? And Angelique watches him go. So then she bumps into some poor schlub who knocks over her bag, and she starts yelling at him. And then it's like, oh, I have to come up with a way to repay you. And he's just like, uh, what? She's like, come with me. And he's like, ooh, mystery woman. Hmm. Okay, so New York City, mm-hmm. a good-looking woman mm-hmm. dressed to the nines because it's nineteen ninety-six, yes. dressed to the nines, starts motherfucking you up and down. You know she's on some kind of drugs, mm-hmm. and then immediately starts hitting on you. Know I'm out. Yeah, no, oh, I'm wow. sorry. Bye bye. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in to the end. I think we've discovered a few things a few times now that Maurice would not survive a horror movie. No. <laughs> He'd be like, wait. He'd be like, grapes and pork? (laughs) So you're saying I have a chance. (laughs) Oh, So yeah, she leads him down to the basement and he's like, so uh, what's your name? She's like, do we really need names? She's like, oh, mystery. (laughs) And that guy is, so we see it in part one with Julia. Mm -hmm. The men that she brings back home. Sweaty sad sacks. Yeah. 
who would never be able to get in on space that Julia was like real 80s looking to mm-hmm. bringing home the men that would never she would never pay any mind to yep and that's the thing all these none of these guys are suspicious yeah like I'd be really suspicious <laughs> So she tells him to close his eyes, and she goes over to the pillar that's in the basement and punches it and pulls out a prize. She pulls out the puzzle box. And then she makes him solve it. And he's just like, the whole time he's all randy. <laughs> he's just sitting there with a boner like, oh, how'd you know puzzles were my kink? <laughs> you know. <coughs> and she finishes, or he finishes solving it, and it opens the doorway to hell, of course. I think if she asked, scat would be his kink. That's true, Probably. He was very hard up. Yeah. But we just see the chains come flying out. They grab him. They yank him away. We see the chatter beast, like, pacing back and forth. I love and, chatterer. Oh, I, I like that there's a version of the chatterer in, like, every, mm-hmm. you know, Hellraiser. Um, but, yeah, then Pinhead comes out and talks to Angelique. Now, this is one of the things that I wish they had have kept from what I read. Now, I haven't seen any of the cutscenes. But I wonder if it's in. Uh, I'm sure it's in there. I wonder if it's in the new screenplay, the original screenplay. Yep. that Mike got me for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious. You'll have to let me know. But in apparently the original filming, Angelique and Pinhead were like reluctant equals. So it was one of those things where like they were kind of more at odds with one another. Frenemies, if you will. Kind of like the Doctor and um... Julia. No, I'm thinking of Doctor Who now, and I can't think of the character. Oh. It doesn't matter. Let's keep going. I thought you were talking Dr. Chenard. Um, but yeah, like, the way apparently it was originally proposed is that, you know, she's obviously a princess of hell. They refer to her as the princess multiple mm-hmm. times. And he's a priest of hell. And he even says here that hell is much more ordered since your time. Um, so the way it was supposed to be was that she's kind of uh, old school hell, where she likes uh, slow temptation... Mm-hmm. And kind of, like, confusing the, the victims. Whereas Pinhead is more of the ordered variety where he's like, terror and pain get the job done much quicker. Mm-hmm. So, and then the two of them disagreed on how to handle everything from this point forward. So I was like, that would have been cool to see, but a lot of that got cut. So, basically, she explains that the bloodline of the merchant, you know, Le Marchand, you know, lives on, that he created this building. And we get that scene where, where Pinhead looks around. Looks around is like... Hmm. <laughs> he says... Not well, bad. Well, he says this is a holocaust waiting to happen. Like, he sees the potential of the the, the box that is the building. Um, so they want to bring Le Marchand there and make him open it up. Like, open the gateway. So we, we cut to... Uh, <laughs> we cut to... Um, wait, was, it, was this the dream sequence now? Yeah, this is where uh, John is having a dream... Um, no, no, she intro- they meet and she introduces herself. Right, that's and right. And then okay, he yes. has the sex dream. That's right. I, f- I was forgetting that part. So yeah, she comes to his office the next yes. day. Yes, and he's like, oh, boner again. <laughs> he's like, let me just do the old tuck, you know. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a scene where she sees uh, Le Marchand's original design for the, 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 the box that could destroy yeah. the gateway. And he tells her how it's been in his bloodline for ages and that he's been trying to perfect it. It's it's uh, perpetual light. That basically the idea using lasers and mirrors that it would be light feeding off of itself. So it would be freaking lasers. Freaking lasers. <laughs> and then he even like sits at his computer and is typing, and his hair is like he's moving his head around like he's Stevie fucking Wonder. Mm-hmm. 
And she's like, oh, let me, let me, <laughs> let me rub my, my boobies on let you. Let me get my titties close to you. <laughs> well, and there's also the, uh, the, the it, it's 90s computers. So it is totally the zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance type <laughs> of computer where he's like typing away randomly and there's just like numbers generating in the side of the, the screen and like a weird little like spinny box and like mm-hmm. all this shit that did not actually happen with computers, <laughs> but is always in 90s movie computers. And that's why I never went into IT. Because <laughs> of movie computers? Yes. I was confused. <laughs> I was very confused. When I first started taking computer programming in the 90s, I'm like, this is nothing like the movies. I was very intimidated. I was like, they type really fast to like, are they typing out the like O-N-E? Right. S-I-X. <laughs> yeah, 485,625 minutes. <laughs> it was crazy. But so basically, she uh, she explains that she hopes that she's a friend and that she wants to be a client. Um, and then she does that whole thing where she does the uh, is this is this where she reminds him of who she is, or is it later? I think it's later. Is it later? Because yeah, I didn't write that part down, but I know. Uh, wait, hold on. Yeah, no, no, it's it is here. I did write this down. Hold on. Oh, because she says that doesn't she say something like your family? I've known your family for. Yes, she goes, she goes, she talks about, um, well, they, they, he shows her the perpetual light machine and then it blinks out and he's like, unfortunately I can't keep it going. It only, it only lasts for a second and then blinks out. And she goes, sometimes a second is all you need. And, and then, he's like, so I have a chance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then he does that whole thing or she does that thing where she, she puts his, her hand on his shoulder and she says that it's been a long time since we've last met or something like that. And she's like, your blood remembers, let it remind you. And he closes his eyes and, like, inhales. And he's like, Angelique. <laughs> That's right. And um, then she's like, we have a lot of work to do together. And then we cut to that night and he's dreaming of fucking her. And we get our only damn titty shot of the movie. <laughs> um, and then he wakes up from a phone call from her. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll go meet tomorrow. We'll meet my house. <laughs> his wife and his is wife's listening. like, what is that about? He goes, Japanese clients. They have no concept of time. <laughs> yeah. Like, What? <laughs> And then he lays down with a big old shit-eating grin on his face and she rolls over angry. So it's very much like in the first movie with uh, Julia and Larry. Yeah. Like the whole like distrust of the spouse. But uh, yeah, she she knows it's not a Japanese client. She knows he's after Demon Punani. Like he mm-hmm. knows. She knows. She knows. He definitely <laughs> knows. Well, we cut to Pinhead getting annoyed waiting around for Angelique. <laughs> he feeds a pigeon to the chatter piece. And then tricks two security guards. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my the Doubleman twins. Dumb. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my god. Tweedledee and, they... and Tweedledum. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they have the best like, all right, we're going to stick together now. Together forever. No one, we leave no one behind. They needed like a special handshake. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen to them. And as I was watching this movie, I watched it on my laptop in my office. Mm. And I, because that's where my toy collection is from my toys. (laughs) The toy maker. And I kept like looking over. Not those toys, people. Come on. (laughs) Head out of the garbage. Looked over. There's Angelique. Mm -hmm. There's the Chatterer. Mm -hmm. There's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yep. You don't have the toys of the Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh, yeah, she got the old, the old yeah. Hellraiser figures. Yeah, Ron gave them to me for oh, my birthday my one year. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't Why you? Why would you that? display those two idiots? 
You're better off having Beavis and Butthead in your They're collection. kind of they're kind of blocked though by Doctor Shenard because oh, I have okay. the Doctor Shenard. Yep, I have that one coming out of his head with yep. the bass, so he kind of blocks them. <laughs> Doctor Shenard, I think, is my favorite one. He definitely is a very interesting looking character. I mean, the chatter, the original chatter, is always going to be my favorite uh, Cenobite, but uh, Shenard is really cool looking. But yeah, so we get uh, we get that whole sequence where he he confuses the twins, makes them go down this pathway. One falls into the other. My flashlight! I dropped my flashlight. It's broke. Sunlight. But there's not room there. <laughs> they find the remains of the poor schlub that Angelique brought to his doom, and they're like, "Let's get out of here!" <laughs> Jeez. And then they try to escape, and the door closes. Like someone's fucking with us. <laughs> And next scene, they're in the kitchen making a sandwich. Oh, wait, that's a different movie. <laughs> and then you see, uh, you see freaking Pinhead come out and Angelique come out. And he explains to her that, you know, pain and suffering can be just as useful as, you know, temptation and all that. So he, he wraps the two twins together with chains. And then has some weird, like, metal skull mask grab the sides of their face. And, and like, a, meld them together. Well, a piece of... But they look like Laffy Taffy. Well, yeah, because a piece of the wall comes out. It's like a cylinder of the wall. And there's these two drills that come out. One high, one low. One drills into, like, the one guy's chin and one drills into the other guy's, like, temple. Mm-hmm. And it grabs the skin and starts pulling it back toward the pillar. And the pillar twists around. Mm-hmm. So it, like, twists the skin together and, like, somehow merges them. Because hell? Yeah, magic spooky hell powers. Yeah. <laughs> So they they get squished into the twisted twin Cenobites. Um, but yeah, he's like, I, I hear your worst fears. Don't separate me from my brother. I promise you that will never happen. <laughs> Which he lied because they do separate later to kill somebody. They do, but they come right back together. That's true. They do. They See, their separation is for the greater <laughs> evil. <laughs> separation is only for murder purposes. Yes. Together forever. <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, he then tells her, he, uh, Pinhead then tells Angelique that the greatest suffering a parent can know is the loss of a child. So cut to Pinhead stealing Jack from the uh, merchant's home. So if you saw Pinhead and you were that kid's age, what would make you think it was okay to go with him? Depends oh, on the kid. I don't think he thought it was okay to go with him. I think, you know, he's probably sitting there playing with his connects and then Pinhead just grabbed him by the shoulder and he's like, oh, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> Because I'm sorry, if a six foot man in a fucking leather dress with flayed nipples and pins in his face grabbed me by the shoulder, I'd probably freeze too. <laughs> I'd be terrified. I would ask him to play with my connects. Want to build a roller coaster? <laughs> so stick together. Can we use a nail? <laughs> Let me use one of your pins. Can I stick these connects to my head? Like they look like you. <laughs> Oh, what a great Halloween costume idea. <laughs> connects instead of pins? Yep. <laughs> it's connects head. Yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, I, but this this confused me. So, Bobby goes to do the laundry while Jack is playing with his connects in the apartment. She clearly goes down several flights of stairs. But can hear him screaming. Yes. Because she's down in the laundry room and he's like, Mommy! And she's like, Jack, oh my God! And like runs up the stairs. Her mommy powers were tingling. Oh, Maybe she heard him through the vent. Maybe. Ah, okay, but so did everybody else all the way down. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure they <laughs> Yeah, but it's New York City. Everything. They're like, we don't want to get involved. <laughs> that rat's calling for mommy. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Some big fucking rats. Um, so she goes running upstairs, and, and like she goes in, she finds his connects all destroyed, 
and she goes over to the living room and she sees Jack just kind of standing there. And she's like, come here, Jack. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, why? He goes, he won't let me. I love his delivery because he's yep. like, I can't. <laughs> so she sees Pinhead. She asks what he wants. And he says bait, live bait. <laughs> and then takes her and, and the boy over to the hell, the Hellraiser Tower. And John comes home to find his family gone and a bloody knife stabbed in the magazine cover, like with him on the cover of it. So we cut to Bobby and Jack in a room of the building being guarded by the Chatter Beast. John arrives at the building looking for his family and finds the crazy hell hall and goes wandering down it. I love how there's just random faces and shit hanging on the walls. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like in part three. What happened in part three? The, oh my God. The thing. Oh, the pillar? The pillar. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I have that, too. Yeah, the pillar's cool. I've seen that toy. The, mm-hmm. the Build-A-Pillar. That's pretty neat. <coughs> so he ends up going down the crazy hell hall and makes his way to the room with his family and is confronted by Pinhead and the Cenobites. Now, this I, I have always found kind of chilling, where Pinhead tells John to finish his work or the boy will wish for a thousand years that he died that day. Like, it's like, okay, that's creepy, but then John says, for God's sake, and Pinhead just, in very, like, this very, like, matter-of-fact tone, mm-hmm. just goes, do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? And I was like, oh, that's fucking creepy. Yep. Like, the way he delivers that is like, ooh, Doug Bradley, you creepy motherfucker. He's um, so nice in person. He is. He's, he's such a sweetheart, but mm-hmm. my God, you put that makeup on him, he's a scary motherfucker. But he ex- Pinhead explains that the box was created by his ancestor uh, to be a pathway to hell. He then tells him that the lobby in this building is potentially a bigger pathway and that John must fulfill that promise and open the pathway. So John, Jack, and Bobby run from Pinhead and split up to try to escape because they're like, this will work, surely. <laughs> Do they start running through the doors like in Scooby-Doo? Kind of. <laughs> But Although there is a very Scooby-Doo moment on the space station later. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get to that. So Bobby gets chased by the Chatterbeast and gets cornered. She opens the box and sends the Chatterbeast back to hell. Down in the lobby, Angelique uh, has Jack and tells John that he needs to finish his work. We see him trying to, to use the computer in the lobby to move the pieces of the walls to open the box that is the lobby. Um, something goes wrong, Pinhead gets pissed, and decides, fuck this, and decapitates John. Mm-hmm. I love that, because what, what exactly was he doing? He was just, like, typing randomly on the computer, and, like, panels on the wall were shifting, and then, like, orange light zipped around the room a little bit, and then it hit Pinhead and went away, and he was like, enough of this. <laughs> Threw a chain at John's face. Mm-hmm. It goes through his throat. And then blades pop out of the hook, and it comes back through and just rips his head clean off. It's actually a pretty cool kill. It is. Mm-hmm. But, so, bye-bye, John. And then Bobby comes down the hall with Don't worry, the... he'll be back in a few minutes. Right. <laughs> Bobby comes down the hall with the box, opens it up, and both Pinhead and Angelique get sucked back to hell. Back to the future. <laughs> Going to hell, boy. <laughs> Dr. Merchant explains to Rimmer that he opened the box and summoned the demons to the ship. We then see the same scene from before, so literally they're padding the runtime with mm-hmm. scenes we've already seen. <laughs> we see the robot reopen the box, but now we see the rest of the conversation. So we see Pinhead and Dr. Merchant chatting back and forth. You know, Pinhead talking about how it's been a long time, like they've been waiting for this, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, so then we go back to Rimmer and Merchant talking. 
And um, she basically explains, or he basically explains to her, everyone has to get off the ship. He has a limited amount of time to do what he needs to be, what he needs to do. And then the computer is like, 23 minutes to both of these. So now we got the ticking clock. Yep. Um, and she's like, I don't believe in hell. And he's like, well, hell believes in you. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of creepy, actually. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another line that um, Angelique says later when the one guy gets the box. And he's like, it, it's just a box. And she's like, oh, thank God for men of reason. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, Merchant explains that no matter what they feel, there are creatures on this ship who will take their souls. So we see the solar alignment uh, line up, like I said, the cue of the ticking clock. Um, then the captain tells Rumor that they need to investigate Merchant's personal cabin and vacate the station. Merchant begs them to get the men out of there and basically just get the fuck out. Just go. I think Angelique, now that she's in her demon form, mm-hmm. looks like a penis popping out to say hello. The top of her I, head. I can see the very top of her head, yeah. yeah. It's like an uncut dick. Yep. Um, although, I guess apparently the look was designed after a nun's habit. So the skin being pulled down like mm. that was supposed to look like a demonic nun. No, nope, it looks mm-hmm. like a penis. <laughs> well, as we cut to the one random soldier like going to investigate Merchant's cabin, and he hears some kids like, let me out of here! And the soldier's like, what the hell? And shoots the door wide open. Because there may be a kid behind there, so that makes sense. Right. Just shoot at it. Guns solve every problem. Yeah. So he goes in and, of course, is skinned and murdered by Pinhead. Pinhead realizes that Merchant has a plan and orders the Cenobites to kill everyone on board. Now, I do like when when the soldier first comes in because he sees the remnants of the robot. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what's this? And Pinhead says, the remnants of a most unsatisfying victim. He's like, but you're here to remedy that. And then he just fucking jacks him up. Johnny Five, not alive. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he was not. So we cue the soldiers splitting up to become fodder. Angelique gets the one and pulls him into the mirror dimension. Mm-hmm. I like that, that kill. Was a cool, that, that was, was a, a cool, cool kill. Because he sees her like on the like human Angelique on the other side of the mirror screaming for help. And he goes over to try to figure out what the hell it is. And he's like... It's a penis. Looking at the mirror. <laughs> he touches the mirror and then she grabs him and yanks him in. And, and he's she's like, like, oh, this is not what I thought. <laughs> she's like, look at my dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> then she like reforms the mirror and it slices him in half. That that was a cool kill. Um, and then we get uh, the the chatter beast getting one. You know, it tracks mm-hmm. the one guy down and it eats him. Um, then Rimmer realizes that shit's not right and tells Merchant that the, that he's got to do what he's got to do and <laughs> so they can get out of there. So she sets him free to go do what he's got to do. Uh, next up, the twins get a kill. They absorb a guy. They like go on either side of him and and suck them into their body mm-hmm. and um, and i love it because you don't see a lot of it yeah but you see him like his feet like shrink up and yeah then, like, like suck the, up then the pants the whole outfit just falls to the ground and, and you see their face on either side of his face and all mm-hmm. the blood just like pouring down it, it was a cool kill but merchant makes rumor get off the ship telling her that there'll be literally little to no time to escape once the plan is enacted and he ensures her that he doesn't plan to sacrifice himself if he can avoid it he goes i'm not that crazy she takes off and is chased by the Chatter Beast, which uh, she locks in an airlock and causes it to pop by turns, like changing the pressure. I did like that scene because it was like, <laughs> it just pops. <laughs> the little <laughs> sound. But Merchant faces off against Pinhead. Pinhead prattles on about how much Dr. Merchant is like his ancestors and how pathetic he is and blah, blah, blah. 
you know, that, that he has faith that he can actually win. The merchant asks him uh, what he has faith in, and he tells him, nothing, I am so exquisitely empty. Another great line by Pinhead. And Pinhead hears a beeping, looks around to a panel that says, shuttle launch. And Merchant tells him, good, then it won't hurt you to die, now will it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I cannot die, I am forever. Mm-hmm. Suddenly Merchant disappears. Oh, it was a hologram. Mm-hmm. Womp womp. Fooled you. I love how Pinhead's like, the fuck was that? Like, he looks around all pissed. <laughs> Merchant starts the plan, and he and Rimmer escape the ship. He tells Pinhead, I have faith in the light. End game, demon. The station starts to fold in on itself, revealing that it's a giant puzzle, po- puzzle box, and the satellites start beaming light from the sun, like reflecting light down into the, the space station as it folds over on itself, creating perpetual light. That bounces around the ship, fries Pinhead. Um, Merchant says, welcome to Oblivion. Pinhead says, amen. And the entire space station explodes as Merchant and Rimmer head on home to Earth. Credits, the end. And you know what I like about that ending? Hmm. There is no, like, once we get back to Earth, Yeah, this is what happens. It's like... Game over, and bitch. It's up to you. Now, there is one scene I forgot to mention. Um, when the one guy, I think it was Chamberlain, when he runs into Pinhead, and he goes, who are you? And he just, Pinhead, I forgot what he says, but he shoots Pinhead twice with his laser gun, and it just kind of absorbs, and he's like, fuck this, and he throws the gun and mm-hmm. runs. This is the Scooby-Doo moment. He hides, it was the, the Chatterbeast that gets this guy. He hides in the hallway where there's a bunch of, like, random hangy tubes, and it's just like, peeking around the corner and we see Pinhead walk by and then stop, look mm-hmm. around and keep on walking and the guy's like oh, like the big sigh of relief no, and then no, the no. chatterpiece gets him. I was like that was some that was some shaggy shenanigans right there. But yeah, so that was Hellraiser Bloodline. So uh Susie, we know it's uh your favorite there, so what we got any extras to say here at the end? I just, I love this movie a whole lot. And as long as Jesus doesn't call me home, we'll probably have some more Hellraisers up my sleeve for birthdays. And hopefully we can actually get Hellraiser voted on. Mm -hmm. I feel like we can, like, no matter what, when we put Hellraiser on the list to be voted on, it's going to win. Like, it'll be one of the the picks, I guarantee it. Um, We just haven't had a, a month that we could put it on yet. Yeah. You know, it's... Because I feel like Hellraiser 1 and 2 won't need any help from us. I feel like if, if fans get a chance to vote on those, mm-hmm. like, they'll they'll get on. No matter what. Three on up, they might need to be our picks. <laughs> I really like three. I know that, like, we've talked about it, like, not... We've yeah. talked about it on the podcast, mentioned it. I think that's still a solid flick. I do enjoy it, but there's a lot of things I don't like about the film Mm -hmm. um i do like the film overall but there's a lot that i feel pales in comparison to how awesome the first two are so it's kind of like you know uh the friday the 13th movies it's like you know friday the 13th you know two is good friday 13th three is better you know four is actually a more coherent movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like yeah they they get better like they're all good but there's definitely six is the best yeah six is the best um, I, I have, I have a hard time with six and seven because I love both of them so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think seven is my favorite Jason look cause I love the zombie look of Jason, mm-hmm. but I also love part six Jason. Like he's so fucking scary in that. Um, there's a lot of trivia. I just kind of like grabbed a few pieces. 
One that I thought was really funny was, and I don't remember this happening, but uh, Walt Disney apparently came under fire because they purchased Miramax Films in the 90s. I didn't really remember that, but hmm. apparently they became under fire because uh, Miramax, well, under Dimension, was putting out Hellraiser Bloodline, Scream, The Prophecy, and Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. And parents' groups were like, but it's Disney! Hmm. And they just like lost their minds about it. And they're like, but it's a subsidiary. It's not Disney. Angelique really is a princess then. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, this was, as we mentioned, this was Adam Scott's first uh, movie role. And he was so excited about, you know, doing this film. But he said that when he got to set, his uh, chair was mistakenly labeled Adam Craig. And he was like, this was like, welcome to Hollywood, bitch. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Um, then, uh, yeah, the, the U.S. theatrical uh, release of this... Doesn't have any credits. Apparently, this was because the original director, Kevin Yeager, as I said, had his name removed from uh, from the mm-hmm. the script and went with the whole Alan Smithy thing. Um, so they they opted for a credit free one sheet. So instead of putting the credits on there, um, then yeah, due to the the film's financial and critical failure, uh, this is the last Hellraiser movie to have any kind of theatrical release. You know, which, uh, including the, the new one, which was a good, good Hellraiser movie. The one on Hulu? Yeah, but that's just I really enjoyed it. I liked the one before that, too. I thought it was, it wasn't that bad. Part 10, you're talking, right? Judgment? Judgment, yeah. I liked Judgment. I, I like the story, but again, much like, you know, Part 5, it doesn't feel like a Hellraiser to me. But I do like the story quite a lot. I didn't like the creepy dude eating the, the, the fucking paper. paper. Yeah, Whoa. it was gross. What was he, the conductor? Something like that. Or I can't the remember. auditor or something? Yeah, I only saw it the once. I really liked I really liked the new one on Hulu. Yeah, that one was really good. But my one problem with it is the same problem I've, I've bitched about with several horror films lately. Why is it so dark? It's so hard to see. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, there's so many times where I'm like, what was happening? I can't see what's going on. I hate that. Like, go, come on. It's, everyone take a page out of J- uh, James Cameron's book. Just... When it's dark, put it in blue light. It works. He did it in Aliens and everything else. Just put it in blue light. Um, apparently, Guillermo del Toro was originally tapped to direct this film, uh, but declined. I think he had another project that he was working on. So, Can you imagine how awesome that would have been? I would love to see del Toro direct Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. That would be fucking amazing. Um, apparently, now there is a work cut of this apparently available on YouTube. So I am going to have to look it up. They said that there's a lot of the scenes that were cut from the film that are in the work cut. Now, they're not finished sequences, so the effects aren't going to be fully there Mm -hmm. and all that. But I'm just curious to see what types of scenes they cut from the movie. Um, But yeah, there's... uh, I think everything else I pretty much mentioned. The sex scene was probably like 15 minutes long and then Pinhead was filming it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, but yeah, so anybody have any, oh wait, no, before, I'm sorry, before I, I do that, there is a cutscene I wanted to mention. Um, apparently in, in an alternative version of the script, so maybe in the book, um, whatever his name, creepy old, old man who commissions the, the box, invites eight gamblers to his home to play a game with Angelique. The game involves sol- solving the puzzle box, which ends with Angelique <coughs> transforming them into pseudo-cenobites that are loyal to Angelique. And kill one of Lamarchand's ancestors, Augusta. Uh, they turn his skin into a drum for their clown act. 
Huh. I'm like, <laughs> Cenobite clowns playing a human drum skin? I kind of want to see that. <laughs> I want to know what that's all about. But anywho, any final thoughts on this Hellraiser before we wrap up your birthday pack? I think, I think I've said it all. Said it all, Maurice? Uh-huh, I said anything? it all. Maury's got nothing. All right, so for anyone not following us on the social medias, check us out on uh, both Facebook and Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet. Maurice <coughs> handles our Twitter, and what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the. Thank you very much. Uh, we also have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as the higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail and birthday picks, stuff like that. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so if you like this podcast, chances are you like others on the network, so check out radpantheon.com. And Rad Pantheon on all the socials. And for our next episode, it'll be episode 190 of Pet Cemetery 2. Dun dun dun. We're going to talk about Gus Gus. Gus Gus. Alrighty, guys, so I think we're going to wrap this one up here. I have a quick question. <clears throat> sure. Is it really Twitter now? Because now it's, it's X. X. Oh, X. Oh, yeah. It's X. It, it, it handles our X. That just sounds stupid. I handle everyone's X, okay? So if you need it, dumb. you know where to get it. Fucking Elon Musk. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, wrap this one up here with little talk about X. Um, <laughs> so as always, this that's is... That's a great movie, too. That, that's true. It is. Mm-hmm. This is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Susie. Happy birthday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.